Hey, DJ Flook here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. There's a lot of people in the sports world nowadays athletes, media personalities, bloggers, podcasters, video producers, influencers all with amazing stories to share about how they got to where they are today and where they're going tomorrow. I'm DJ Fluke, and along with my partners, Kate Thompson. I'm sorry, I didn't go to a college that has football teams, so sometimes I space out. And Jillian Fisher. Hey! Oh my gosh, I alerted my pug, and he's like, oh no, don't bark, please don't bark. We're here to share those stories in something we like to call StadiumScene.tv's main event. Hey, before we get started, this episode was also recorded as a video, which is available on YouTube via the description of this podcast episode. Otherwise, enjoy the show. So for you uh, expecting to see Chris Myers, you will hear in a moment. Chris, uh, he he had a, a pretty busy schedule with us. It was amazing that he, he carved out time to talk so if you want to skip ahead skip ahead a couple minutes and then you can see the start of that but so uh kate um almost all the way through realized that she forgot to plug her laptop in and her battery fell to five percent as we were wrapping and fortunately she did not disappear on us for the end of the episode but that that was almost an oops so please kate explain how you forgot to plug your laptop in i want to I stole the cable to plug in the pro controller for my Switch so me and my friend could play Smash Brothers in the living room because I didn't charge my controller. Very professional move. I know. But hey, I I lost every single round, I'll be honest. Well, I, I hope you kids had fun with your, your Atari video game box. Um, well, uh, you know, it's here. a bit more advanced now. Okay, um, your, uh, uh, what, what was the next one? The, the NES. The NES, yes, Nintendo, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mario Brothers with your little yeah. rectangular control and your, you know, your two buttons. and. Yeah, and you just fight each other. You eat mushrooms and spit fire. Yeah, it's so much fun. Did I tell you I've been playing Mario Odyssey like every night for the past two weeks? I don't know what Mario Odyssey is. It's pretty much every version of Mario can put into one version. And so you have like the 2D from the NES and then you have N64 portals and you have all these other things and it's a lot of fun. Hmm, that's interesting. And I'm a nerd. And somehow you found a Nintendo Switch, which the rest of us in America cannot. Every morning I was checking GameStop, Amazon, Target, everywhere. Well, thanks to you, GameStop stock is through the roof. I don't think that's the reason, but okay. <laughs> so since we're done making fun of me, I've just decided that. We're going to make fun of you. And 
for all of our listeners, I just want you to know DJ is not a stalker. <laughs> he just does a crazy amount of research. You know, so when he comes off as a stalker throughout the episode, which I was thinking the whole time is, oh my God, he's stalkerish. Time out. Time out. You know what? I, I have a philosophy on this and it's not stalking. It's, it's called doing your homework. I was talking to somebody about this last night and there are two key points here that I'm actually pulling up the, the text because I think I, I worded it pretty well. Number one, we here are, you know, you're about to see the interview of one of the greatest sports interviewers of our generation. He's won an Emmy Award. He's interviewed countless people in the sports world, covered major events. Like, you have to be prepared. You need to know who you're talking to. And that's actually number two. The key, key to being a good interviewer is know who you're talking to. We yeah, didn't... I actually read the notes for once. Well, I spent plenty of time preparing those notes, so I'm glad you read them for once. And didn't it might have been five minutes before, but and, I read them. And you didn't vandalize, you know, I didn't put it up in a way to vandalize it that I read, like, you know, put DJ sucks in the middle of a sentence that I Ron Burgundy. I'm better than that. No one's ever done that before. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that yeah. was like first year crap you, that you I would have, do. You have attempted it on more than one occasion. You have not been successful. So. I have grown since then. <laughs> well, thank you. So Number one is know who you're interviewing. The second thing, or I guess, well, you know, be prepared for the person you're interviewing is number one. Number two is know who you're interviewing. And, and one of my goals when I interview someone is I, I want a reaction out of them. Like, how the hell did you know that? And I kind of got that out of him when we, uh, when I kind of turned the tables and talked about a, an obscure 10 second movie cameo from 20 years ago. Uh, that did get kind of a reaction out of him. So I'm, I'm going to, even though he didn't say, how did you know about that? But he, you could see it on his face that that caught him off guard a little bit. So I'm Yeah, gonna, don't job, pat yourself on the back job. too hard. Job don't done. break your arm. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we're done talking about us, should we probably jump into the interview? Yes. So without further ado, you've seen him on the World Series. You've seen him covering play-by-play -play and on the sidelines for Fox NFL covered the Olympics, the Masters, he's been on Sports Center, um, but more frequently, you know, most recently you'll know him for his time in the Hollywood Hotel on Fox Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Myers. All right, we are joined by Chris Myers of Fox Sports, the Marquee Network, the Chris Myers interview, and many other things. Chris, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, with us today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you. No, uh, DJ Kate's good to, good to be on talking uh, broadcasting sports and everything else you want to talk about. I, you know, looking through at, at what you've done and what you're doing, it just, I, I don't know how you have any time, period. So, I mean, it's just to, to squeeze out time for us, just uh, we're really, really appreciative of that. Uh, no, my pleasure. There's always, you know, you can always, especially with the, the virtual way to talk to people now, you can set up, it's almost like a radio interview with a with a camera from your home or your backyard or wherever. So in between travel or assignments, you can always make time if something's important. And when you said what, the, what this is about, uh, or, you know, beyond my, my curve and other people in broadcasting, I, I, I'm always interested in helping um, people who have an interest in sports broadcasting and want to find their way into the, the business that's ever growing and ever changing. It, it really is a great industry. So let's, uh, let's just jump right in from the very beginning. I mean, I, I, 
read through your bio, I've done all my homework. I, I, you know, I see that as a teenager, you had a radio show and, and interviewed people of the caliber of like Don Shula and, and Muhammad Ali. But what was the point in your life when you realized that, that broadcasting or even more specifically sports broadcasting was what, what you wanted to do with your life? Yeah, I, I think when I was younger, I, I had a passion for sports uh, coming from a big family and everybody had their interests. But I, I think the combination of uh, we'll just call it media for purposes of you know radio, TV, and now you have different ways you go. But, but that combination of talking about sports where other people could hear or I could get feedback from what they were thinking or describing sports. Uh, I didn't necessarily think play-by-play play or in my early stages, but that's kind of what, what fascinated me, the combination of, of, of the two, you know, talking sports at school and then, you know, doing the, the public address announcements and all that kind of stuff, then getting into radio and then say, well, and then the business grew and grew and TV and sports. And so uh, I, you know, I, I think that kind of, I was going, going to go down that path. I had chances to go into news and do some other things, but sports to me was always fun. And then the, the, the score at the end of you know, the winner loser, and you talk to, to, to both and find the, the enjoyment of uh, having success and the frustration of getting there and not necessarily winning. So when that hit me, I, you know, gosh, through the, through the years, uh, it was just always a path I was going to take. And there was just different ways to go about it. Different things came up. There were always obstacles, but I stayed on it because it was something that I really enjoyed doing. So it didn't, didn't feel like it was a job. It felt like it was almost like a hobby um, that, that I could end up making a career out of. What type of obstacles did you encounter along your way? Well, a couple of those, you know, you're too young to be able to do this. You don't have experience, you know, the things that we, and you hear in other businesses and you still here today. Um, so I just thought, you know, you had to find ways. Okay. Uh, so if I want to be on the air, but I'm too young to be on the air, then if I can produce uh, some segments or for TV or something for other people and show them that skill, uh, eventually uh, with an internship or something like that, I can get on the air and then I'll see how good I am on the air and show them uh, despite age or, or experience, I'll get the experience. Uh, however, I have to get it. That that was one thing that, that kind of uh, stood out. Uh, also, it's funny. I had this this little uh, from birth, kind of like a birthmark scar on my forehead. That uh, and later when I got through college and we had a tape to get on TV, some people were like, "Well, that, I don't know, makeup will cover that up. Maybe you should have some kind of surgery." Uh, yeah, it was a real yeah, a real candid rejection. Kind of like, "Wow, I didn't know it was that distracting." And I and I talked to my sister, my oldest sister, about that. She, she was you know supported me uh, in, in going after my passion she said no no you know you just be who you are and, and people accept that they a little makeup you know, tv's all about you know you're wearing uh, you're putting your, you know, an earpiece in you're wearing makeup you're combing your hair so you know it's a little bit of an illusion thing anyway it's are you good at what you know you're delivering the sports and the information so she and that gave me a little bit of uh you talk about an obstacle of the confidence at a young age when the people in the business are telling you something and then you have people that know you saying you can do this so i, I think that's an important element to, to have as you as you go forward. So I have to turn back real quick on, you know, interviewing Muhammad Ali. And, you know, obviously man was a very intimidating figure, both, you know, in the ring and personality wise. What, what goes through a, a teenager's mind interviewing Muhammad Ali? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, it's funny. I would go from my, in Hollywood, Florida, I'd go from my geometry class, whatever it was, height in with math, and I wasn't very good at math, but well, that's what, <clears throat> one thing that helped in sports. But I would leave there and get my tape recorder, and it was for WKAT Radio in Miami Beach, a 5,000-watt station that had a nightly talk show. And I was, at this point, I didn't have my, I had my own show on the weekends when I was 16, but at this point, I was just kind of doing 
field interviews when they needed it. They'd go out with a tape recorder, do an interview, and then they'd, they'd put it on the show. So I, I had to run from there to the Fountain Blue Hotel, Miami Beach. Uh, and it was a kind of a press conference with, with Ali, so it wasn't wasn't a one-on-one or anything like that. And, and but there were these writers and everybody, and I, you know, I had longer hair and that type of thing. And I just, you know, I didn't realize I knew he was he was Ali, but I didn't realize till later in life and the success he had uh, that this was that this guy was the greatest in terms of. But at the interview, he talked, you know, making fun of his opponent, and I forgot. I asked a question. I wish I had had the old the old tape, the audio tape, but the two things that stood out, he was, uh, some question I asked about his opponent, he said, you're, you know, you're not as dumb as you look, kid, uh, and because I, <laughs> so I think there was a compliment, but it, but it got everybody laughing, and you know, Ali, if he could get people, that's, he was working the room, so, and then he said something like, you know, well, don't, you know, don't be, this before wrestlers use the lie, don't be a fool, stay in school, whatever you do, or something like that, because I said, I, I just came from school or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I'm the reporter. So uh, I, I guess what I learned then was that I was not, uh, in, this is something important, uh, you respect the people you're interviewing, but you, you should never really be intimidated by them. Uh, and, and still to this day, sometimes you run into people in a certain situation that can be intimidating, whether they want to be or not. But don't you shouldn't allow that as as the interviewer. So uh, that's how that one unfolded. And then later, when I had my own show, I ended up going out in the golf and this uh, practice facility. And after practice, interviewing Don Shula, who was a very straightforward guy, but a guy who said, "Hey, I got time for two questions." Uh, and if you started asking a third, he'd look at his watch, and that was a polite way of him saying, <laughs> "I'm walking away after this one, pal." So you learn you learn things early. But my approach really to to doing interviews through the years, and because once if you start with guys like that you know think about that dj you start with those guys and after that so it's no problem to interview michael jordan or tom brady or or whomever so uh but i always thought treat the real famous guy almost like a regular guy uh, respectfully and, and you treat the you know the regular guy the athlete maybe who isn't the superstar well, mike he's a superstar or going to be one and that usually balances out and i think both people uh, both sides when you're interviewing them seem to respond favorably okay so you started doing sports broadcasting in high school, it sounds like. Um, how did you progress through your education? Yeah, well, I, I got, I was calling into a radio station. That's how I got the gig when I was supposed to be doing my homework in high school. And I, I it would be Chris from Miami. And then I'd call back and be, a, you know, Duke from North Miami. And I'd agree with my earlier calls <laughs> so I could get them. So I could get on the air more. Yeah, it's funny that they invited, they had fan night, but they invited some people down, their regular callers to the studio. And I had to tell them I was the same guy. And so from there, they said, wow, all right, you want to, you know, maybe weekends you could do something behind the scenes or this before I even got my license. And then eventually I got on the air doing a, a Saturday uh, call-in show for a couple hours when I was still in high school. Uh, and I, but I wanted to transition, even though I was enjoying the radio and was hoping to get a full-time radio gig. Uh, because, it, you know, I, I had to make a living going from high school and going into college. I went to a junior college, Miami Dade Junior College in Miami and wanted to go and eventually FIU, Florida International University, but I wanted to transition into television. And I, I wasn't sure how to do that from radio. I mean, I would see TV people at the news conferences and stories I was covering in Miami. Um, so that, that helped. Uh, and, and also getting an internship at the time uh, through the colleges allowed me to, uh, while, I, while I was working radio, to go to a TV station and behind the scenes learn about their production and writing and, and things like that. And, and so eventually, that was the hard part of getting on the air and TV, and it was a, a TV station in Miami, uh, WTVJ, 
that had a weekend opening and had you know heard me on the radio and saw that I covered things in, in Miami and South Florida. And so they said, you know, hey, you know, I think it was only 21 at the time when they put me out of 20. And so I hadn't even finished college. Uh, but they said, you know, we, we think you can do TV or do it. And I had to tape, I had to put together a, a, an audition tape at my college uh, with kind of, you know, makeshift desk and setup. We didn't have the kind of production value that most colleges have today. Um, so it all kind of helped. And that was the, the main ticket. But you, you can go to college for things, but you nothing beats the experience. And I, I think that's what I would make the point. Even if you're going to a school and they're, you're getting to do all these things, try to get involved with the local or some radio TV in the summer so that you you get the real thing or, or around the, the real thing. So before you you know, you made the jump to the national stage into to ESPN. You know, you had a couple local stops. I, I believe it was it was Miami and then New Orleans. Um, right. And you know, tell us how, how did your your work in in local TV prepare you for for taking that step into you know into the national broadcasting through through ESPN and you know ultimately Fox. Yeah, that's a that's a good question because it's a, it was it was tremendous value. You think you even though when you're young and you've studied and you've met and you think you know. But until you actually are hands on and at those local stations, you know, the priority, too, is the, the, the local news, the local sports, in this case, in Miami, New Orleans. But I, I always had in my mind I wanted to think big because when people put on whatever channel sportscast uh, for that station. Uh, you know, they want the local sports, but they, they want a big time feel to it. So it, it really taught me, though, about reporting value, going out, doing stories, uh, some stories that, you know, maybe were high school or a local soccer team. And they didn't seem as big, you know, on the outside as if you were going to go uh, to a uh, do a story on the Dolphins, you know, or the Saints and that. Uh, but if you treated the story that it was big and gave it that big feel in the way that you set it up, ask questions, work with your editor um, or in any in any way you wanted to approach it, I, I think it came out a little bit better, and that's I think what helped me would help people notice my my work that eventually got me to ESPN and then Fox at the, at the national scale. And I and I think it, I wanted to anchor, you know, be, and I did a little bit of that too on weekends as a sports anchor. But I think if you can, especially starting out, Kate asked about education, and if you could do multiple things, you know, and try to do them all well, eventually you'll find that right lane, or somebody will find a way to use you in your best spot reporter you know anchor co-anchor whatever play by play there's so many different things that 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 i think you'll be better off down the road but those were great and and i worked with some really good people in miami and in new orleans who uh, behind the scenes you know and you pay attention to that don't just do your job you need to you know nothing have to do everybody else's job but i think you should know their names and know who they are and what, what they look for, whether it's an audio technician or someone who operates the camera. So those things come into play sometimes, even at a network level, because things go wrong and equipment if goes down in a situation, teleprompter, and you have to, you still have to try and do the job as, as best you can. So that, that really did set the table, but also I, I think, you know, my view was to put in a little extra effort uh, so that I was prepared for the next uh, big opportunity that, that came along. Did you have one point in your career where you were like, I've made it, I've accomplished what I want to do? That's, well, I still, you know, it's funny. I still think I have more to do. And I, I've always, is that old expression about once you think you've made it, then then you're going the other way. You know, you, you, you haven't, you won't make anything further out of it. And that's okay when you get to a point when people want to 
want to sit back and relax. But I, I think there were layers of get, first getting into radio, like we talked about. And then when you asked about getting into television, that, that was like the next layer. And then and some people are satisfied and enjoy that that life of being a local anchor for a number of years in a, in a place that they like. I, I was used to talk about, you know, when you've made it, I was like, well, I want to, I want to get to as, as ESPN was unfolding and Fox Sports, the network was growing. Like, these are, you know, these are places I'd like to work, you know, because I, I see how good the product is and the people they have. So I think getting to that level was a sense of making it. Uh, but then when you get there, you know, you want to stay there and you also want to do a really good job there. So that the viewers and the people you work for are satisfied and, and uh, will have you around to do other things. And I, I, so I think that's the thing that I've enjoyed about the business through it all, because you start out being a reporter or anchor, and then you get to a place like Fox where you can do play-by-play, or I can I can host you, you know, the Westminster Kennel Club dog show or cover an NFL game, a Super Bowl, World Series. And so there are, I think, for yourself, create new challenges. And that was one thing I, I meant to mention in the local uh, sports broadcasting when that was asked a moment ago, that I always had a, an approach. It's kind of corny, but it's, it's just my way of firing myself up that, that every night's the Super Bowl. In other words, every story, every broadcast, we know that it's not. Uh, but when I got to do the Super Bowl, that actually was. But I think if you approach it with that kind of big time feel and appreciation and don't don't take it lightly as, you know, this isn't a throwaway story or uh, I think you're going to do a better job on each story and that'll help you grow as a, as a broadcaster. And I think, I think the viewers can appreciate that. So um, yeah, there's still things to accomplish uh, out there, uh, but it's been great to be, you know, to work at a place like Fox sports and do the variety of things uh, that they offer their, their viewers. How do you keep yourself motivated? Because I mean, it's, it's, you get into the, the summer when it kind of slows down and it's, you know, baseball's going on. It's the middle of, the, of a long season. How do you keep yourself motivated and, and treat it every night like a world, you know, it's the World Series of the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, like it, well, because, you know, football and NASCAR are, are those are the once a week events kind of the way we, so that's a little bit easier than you get into to, to baseball uh, where there's a series of games or you're doing different kinds of highlight shows and uh, I'll be doing some work, obviously, with with the Cubs' new channel, Marquee Sports Network, and have uh, they find Cubs have their own channel now, which is which is great, and some Fox baseball. Although uh, that schedule is a little bit limited with some of the other things, so uh, I think, and you know, we asked about doing so many different things. I think that's a form of motivation is that I I, I might this is for me get bored with just doing one one sport all the time every year you know i like them all and for different reasons and some are a little bit more favorable than others but i think that motivates me to okay you know finish the nfl season you know now there's nascar i got an update on the talking about moving different racetracks and the, the drivers have changed here okay so nascar now we got you know baseball the season is coming we're going to play a full schedule this year in theory get to know uh, the players, the free agents, that type. So, so that kind of keeps, at least from my standpoint, keeps me interested as if I was a fan of following the game. When I was a kid, that's kind of what I did from sport to sport uh, when I wasn't working and getting getting paid for it. So that, I think, in itself is kind of a, a constant motivation. And, and so you like it, you know, and if, if you like something, it's, it's not really a job. You think about it all the time. You want to do it all the time. So as I said, it's a, it's kind of a hobby that turned into a job, and it still is that. It can be on, on days off. I still find myself uh, watching games or critiquing broadcast things like that. So real, real quick before we get into NASCAR, you know, you, you've been on the air and covered some pretty significant points in history. And there was the, the Bay Area, the World Series earthquake. 
There was the, the Olympic Park bombing in 96 that was mentioned. You interviewed O.J. Simpson after his murder trial. I believe that was the first interview he gave. Like, what goes through your mind? Like, you, these are obviously major life-changing events for, for people. Like, what, what goes through your mind that, like, this is a major event in history and I'm the person in front of the camera covering this? Like, does that change your approach at all? Does it even come to your mind that this, this is a major event not not until after you've done it do you look back and when you're doing it in the moment you know we were there i don't know the earthquake world series for example with the espn with the a's and the giants you're there to cover baseball and then this happens an earthquake and so you change a little bit of you become kind of a you have your reporter skills but it's now a bigger story than a baseball a world series game it's a, it's a, it's a life-altering city-changing story a tragic event similar to dale earnhardt uh, uh, crashing at the Daytona 500 and dying, being there. And then even the Olympics, you know, going through, we didn't know at the time at the, the bombing in Atlanta that I was down in the middle of it with, as a reporter. He didn't know if more people were going to get hurt, if there were other bombs. I mean, that that uncertain area. So I, I think at the time, you don't really have time to think about, boy, this is big. You just click into, at least with me, uh, you click into the mode that that you need to do the so okay so it's not about sports fun and games now it's about who's safe and who's not and do the olympics go on or the world series and in this case or in nascar how does that change safety going forward in the sport when you lose your you know your headline star so uh and the oj oj simpson interview was was special because it was unique the first live interview after both the wrongful death and the, and the murder trial that when i had time to prepare for some people said don't do it it was a little bit controversial um so that had a little bit more of and i tried to kind of block that out almost like a player tells you hey you know the super bowl is just another game well it's not just another game uh but you have a little more time you have a little more you know preparation you know what's at stake and and so that that one felt a little bit different in terms of that but i, I you know i really try to you know you're not it's not about you don't make it about yourself it wasn't about me it was about covering the what was going on and interviewing the people that that people wanted to hear from and i think that keeps you kind of laser focused but it is interesting to look back on some of those those sports events that turned into news events and then there was also some fun moments to be there when the red sox finally broke through and won the world series and you know to be there when tom brady came back and interviewed him on the field for the network broadcast at Fox when he rallied to beat the Falcons in the, in the Super Bowl at overtime, the greatest Super Bowl comeback. So um, there's some of the fun sports ones and then those that, that supersede that. But not until you sit back and look uh, at what happened, do you really have time to go, wow, you know, that was, uh, that was some pretty heavy stuff there. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick lighter moment and I'll hand it over to Kate when we transition to NASCAR. So Right, right after you joined Fox, um, you, you had a brief cameo in one of my favorite movies, Rat Race, where you, you, you're you on screen for maybe, what, 10 seconds? And yes. you're in front of Cuba Gooding Jr., who plays a, a football referee and botches a coin toss. Like, how does one get approached to say, hey, can you make a 10-second appearance in a, a movie as essentially as yourself? Like, how did how does that come along? Well, first of all, I'm glad you like rat race. It's taken from an old, a movie, an old movie my parents' family used to watch. You know, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Right? If you ever go back and see that on Turner Classic, you can see with how they modernize it. And, and a look at the interesting people that were in rat race, right? The different personalities. Uh, something like that comes from somebody 
uh, during the movie, and they said, hey, we need to get somebody on a, on a monitor, and one of the sports guys, to do this announcing. Who can do it? I think Kevin Frazier and I ended up doing little snippets. Uh, they call us or Fox and say, can you, and we're willing we're willing to do it. You get the, the SAG after a fees or whatever, and they cover you there. It's fun. And, and, and you don't know it when you're doing it at the time. They don't tell you about everything else in the movie. You just know kind of what it's about. And then you see, and it took it certainly took longer than 10 seconds because they have all their takes and they picked they picked the best one but it's funny i've been at a few other i was in volcano which i was all excited about with tommy lee jones yeah. being a reporter in a grocery store but i i was there and did all these different kind of fake live reports not as a sportscaster as a newscaster and um it's funny i auditioned one time in a movie and they, they wanted a sportscaster and i came in to do it they said no nah, you know you're not real you don't fit that part we think you're news you could be a newscaster so i got like, right, okay whatever you got so but i did the and we did all these takes and i think i was in that for like eight seconds with uh, you know you go to the theater and you're watching and you're like, wow am i did i make the cut uh, so and then joanna man is another one that has okay. a lot of different announcers uh that i mean i think uh, kenny albert is in that and uh, quite a few others so those are a lot of bit parts not that i ever wanted to be or could be an actor uh, but when people want a certain sports guy or sports voice actually an interesting story with uh, any given sunday the movie that uh, oliver stone did where al pacino's the coach um I forget exactly how it happened, but I get a call one time from a casting agent at home, and he says, "Hey, you know, this is Chris Myers. I guess uh, uh, we want to check your voice out for a football voiceover in a movie with Oliver Stone or something." I said, "Yeah, right." Okay, and they said, "No, no." Hold, he said, "Hold on, Oliver, are you there?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm here. Let me listen." And so they said to me, "Can you do a little play-by-play for us?" And at the time, I hadn't really been doing play by play and so i said yeah uh, well you know just they said just act like you're calling a game and you know radio so <clears throat> i just wanted this thing and uh, i think it was a, you know i think emmett smith or whatever uh so but they used that and they hired that i never saw anybody else they just had me get out of the sound studio and they used me to fill in the background of uh there's a couple of times in the movie where the game is being called on a tv or a radio in the background and uh and they used my voice on on that which was uh, which was kind of kind of cool so it's a, it's a funny part of the funny part of the business that comes with uh, with sportscasting. So we're running short on time. So I do want oh, uh, to ask two quick questions. Okay. Um, if you were a car, what type of car would you be? Okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sedan kind of guy. I'm, a, I'm not a sports car guy. I'm, I'm not a you know, I'm not a station wagon. I grew up with that with a big family. Uh, and uh, I, I like cars that go, that have great pickup. They don't necessarily go fast, but I, you know, like a Mercedes Benz, maybe the S class, uh, something, you know, classy luxury, but has, has some style and pickup. Sedan guy. It's a, that's, that describes it better than anything else. Okay. And since um, NASCAR is starting up for 2021, um, anything you're looking forward to? Yeah, well, I love the, the schedule. They've changed it. We started the 500 Super Speedway, had a road course. Uh, we had the last week the Miami, Homestead, Miami. Now it's Vegas, then Phoenix. So we have a mile and a half to then a mile track. I, I like that they've altered the schedule. And I, I give NASCAR credit for adjusting for weather and fans as we ease back into having more fans at the track. I think it's produced. And we've seen, at least in the first three races, three kind of upset winners. So you're going to have your mainstay guys, your storylines. It's great having Michael Jordan in the sport, working with Bubba Wallace as part ownership with Denny Hamlin. Uh, and there are some young drivers rising to the top as well uh, that I think uh, will be worth watching. But I, I think it's a little bit more of a wide open season with the schedule that should entertain fans. 
So go ahead and I'm going to close this out real quick with a, a last question. So I keep this on my desk. I've had this for a long time. Oh, uh, I know that car. Yes, I've got my, this is the, the NASCAR 50th anniversary, Jeff Gordon, you know, the Rainbow Warrior paint. Rainbow Warrior, yes. Yeah, so, you know, Jeff Gordon, it was, I've actually, it doesn't fit me anymore, but as a kid, I have the, you know, the Rainbow Warrior, like, jacket that, the, like, okay. you wear, so what's it like sitting next to Jeff Gordon, you know, knowing this, this guy was a, a, you know, a legend of the sport, how, what, what is that dynamic like? Yeah, you even got a little bit of the mustache, the younger Jeff Gordon, you know, before the <laughs> mullet, I think, going. Uh, it, by the way, he's he's great. He's so, and he's still, you know, he's, he's still, I think, a legend in broadcasting emerging because, you, you know, with NFL, I've worked with different guys, Troy Aikman and, uh, you know, Daryl Johnston and, and uh, you know, in baseball, work with a Frank Thomas or some, some of the really good, but, but Jeff, you hit it. Uh, not only a, a four-time champion Hall of Famer, but what he did to help branch out after Dale Earnhardt to, NASCAR taking a little more from the Southern roots image to a East coast, West coast across the, the country. Uh, and, and anybody can be, you know, to be a gearhead, to be a sports fan and a root for drivers. Uh, it's amazing too, how impressive a driver uh, he was and, and a smart guy uh, and, and very much a businessman thinking kind yeah. of guy uh, and a great sense of humor. Uh, so I, I but, he, but you, when you hang out with him, it's, uh, he's very casual. You wouldn't think you're sitting next to a hall of famer and such a, a, a great driver. He loves rap music. In fact, on the pre-race show, race day coming up for Vegas this Sunday on Fox, he's got this habit, this this hobby that I think he he loves music and rap to be a DJ, you know, like in a club and work. The, that's really what he would love to have done. And we, we're going to tease him about that in the show because uh, he also has done some crazy music dancing. So anyway, that tells you something about how cool his personality is. Awesome. Uh, and he, yeah. He's to, and I think he's, you know, he's really, if you listen to the broadcast, he's really tuned into what drivers today are up against and what they have to do to, to be successful. So he's, he's a Hall of Fame uh, driver. I think he's on his way to becoming a Hall of Fame announcer. I'm, I'm going to come across him one of these days. I, I almost met him when I was a kid. I showed up to yeah. the and the line was like two miles long. I'm like, well, if you come to a Fox race when we're there, because I'm working with him and Quentin Boyer, who's so entertaining on the on the uh, pre-race show, I'll I'll make sure you get a chance to say hi. Yeah, me. We'll set that I'm, up for I'm you. uh I'm I'm actually I'm 40 minutes from Phoenix Raceway, believe it or not. Okay, so uh, maybe we can do that in Phoenix then. All right. Yes, you send, me, you send me a note. We'll try to make that work for you. Yeah, I don't think you know with, with the situation. I don't think you know this year's not an option, but next. Year, oh, that's true. Yeah, I was next thinking next about year, that. I'll, I'll have to shoot you up <laughs> next year, but I'll. Uh, it's been a few years since I've been to that race, but I'll, I'll need to get out there and, and say hello. We'll work on that for you. You're right, Dave. There are there. Are, some fans are slowly coming back, but there's quite a process, and there is a limitation. Even our pit reporters, who do a great job uh, to get down on the track, they they, they can't even. They don't even have the access that they used to have uh, to, to get information because of the pandemic safety guidelines, which we all have to follow until we until we make it through. So, but we'll work on that. So. Last question. We'll wrap it up uh, to the kids who are trying to break into the business. What's your piece of advice to them? Well, I mean, we, if they listen to what we all talked about from the beginning, you know, uh, there's different ways and there are so many opportunities now with team websites and social media, um, different ways that you can make yourself known uh, things like this, a podcast, an interview. Uh, but I think if you are going to go to, to a college to study, uh, make sure that you're involved as early as you can be in an internship program. I think you just learn 
so much that way and really apply yourself. And I think people see you, what your strength is and what you might need to work on or have to do. Uh, and, and just look, you know, it's the old basic, any part of a job that my father taught me, of, you know, uh, you know, show up on time, get along with people and try to always do a little more than the job requires. And, and that'll get you through. And then you need breaks and you need people that will help you along the way. But those opportunities will come if you, you know, if you work hard. And don't, don't give up on your dream if you can. I mean, be realistic about it. But if you stay at it, I mean, things things can happen. I mean, that's kind of my general advice, at least. And I, I've lived it. So I, I know it can happen. All right. Appreciate it. Again, Chris Myers, Fox Sports, Marquee Network, the Chris Myers interview. Check him out this Sunday from Vegas in uh, at the uh, Hollywood Hotel. Chris, do you want to plug uh, social media or any anything else before you go? Yeah, no, that you mentioned. I appreciate people watching whatever we're doing on, on Fox and Marquee Sports Network. Just Instagram, it's Chris Myers Fox and, and the underscore Chris Myers on, on Twitter. I always love hearing from fans, uh, critiques, observations, and the things that they like to comment on or talk about. Uh, as we, it's kind of like our own, having our own worldly talk show. So thanks for that, uh, for that opportunity. Sure. Yeah, th thank you again. This has been an, an absolute treat. All right, you guys take care, Kate, DJ. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out at stadiumscene.tv, at stadiumscene on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok, at stadium underscore scene on Instagram, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.